Well, we have developed a short expression in our language that we seem to no longer be able to, to live without. I want to give you a few clues and see if you can guess what this two-word expression is. It's an expression that allows us to be completely indecisive. It's an expression that allows us to be evasive. If we don't want to answer a question or if we want to brush off answering the question, we use this phrase. This phrase actually legitimizes limbo in our lives. Can you guess what the phrase is? I'll tell you what it is. You ready? It's complicated. (laughs) For example, you might ask your adult, jobless child, did you look for a job today? It's complicated. You might follow up, well, why didn't you look for a job today? Oh, it's complicated. You might ask, do you want a job at all? You see, it's, it's complicated, right? But we also use this phrase for relationships as well. In fact, Urban Dictionary says this is the number one use of this particular phrase. It's a legitimate category on Facebook for relationship, right? If you're not sure if you're dating or if you're just friends, I don't know, then guess what box you get to check? Say it with me. It's complicated, right? Well, I have some good news this morning. You'll find a good news if you want to be free of ambiguity and indecisiveness and excuses. And if you want your relationship with the Lord, which is the most important relationship we can have in our lives, if you want that to thrive, if you want to be successful in this kingdom work to which he has called all of us, this will be good news for you. You ready for the good news? You ready? Here's the good news. It's not complicated, right? That's the good news this morning. It's not complicated. And we're going to spend the rest of our time together, hopefully being convinced that it's not complicated and rejoicing in that fact. So if you have your Bibles with you, I'm going to ask you to turn in them in the Old Testament to the book of Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter. And when you found Deuteronomy chapter 30, I'm going to ask you to stand as we hear read together the word of the living God. Deuteronomy chapter 30, beginning in verse 11. This is the word of the Lord. Moses says, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It's not up in heaven so that you have to ask, who will ascend into heaven to get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask, who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey? No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart so you may obey it. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you're not obedient... 
And if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witness against you. But I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask again as we come to your word that your spirit would be active among us. Father, take your word, take the truth of it, open our eyes as we've read this morning that you promised to do. Reveal this truth to us. We as little children uh, come in, in need of you and your truth for our lives. So bless now our time together in your word. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, we return this morning to this chapter that I have repeatedly described as awesome, amazing, incredible, and unbelievable because these are the only words I have available to describe chapter 30 of Deuteronomy. I cannot help it if in our culture you are allowed to say, those socks are awesome with impunity. I can't help that. But unless those socks come with built-in rocket blasters that will enable you to leap tall buildings in a single bound, those socks are not awesome. Deuteronomy chapter 30, the truth of it is awesome. The truth that we've been seeing. The truth that people will always sin and that God will always forgive those who repent, that's awesome. The truth that God will go to the remote, to most remote places, wherever exiles are, and gather them and bring them home, that's awesome. The truth that God enables us to do what we cannot do on our own, that is awesome. We know that we must, we can't, but we shall in Christ. That's awesome news, isn't it? Who was here last week? Can you please do for me what you did for Willie? Are we good? Thank you. Gee. Thank you. (laughs) The awesomeness of Deuteronomy chapter 30 continues in the verses we have before us this morning. Verses 1 through 10, as you know, Moses took these people to the future. Future time, future place, a future people, a future rebellion, a future exile, and a future repentance. All that Moses talks about in verses 1 through 10 is for another time and another place. Now we come this morning to verse 11. And here in this verse, Moses brings these people back from the future to the present. And he says here in verse 11, 
Now what I am commanding you today. See, what God is saying through Moses is not for another time. It's not just for another place. It's for right now. It is for today. And for for you and for me, today is the challenge, isn't it? Living in the moment. All of us here, we already survived yesterday. Whether that was a good day or whether that was a bad day, we survived it. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. We can create in our minds what tomorrow might be. We can imagine for ourselves a future obedience that may take place if everything is just as we need it to be. But that won't work. Moses says, I am commanding you today. So here's the thing. We cannot wiggle out of what God requires of us in this moment. And this, in fact, is one of the great themes of the book of Deuteronomy. Today, it's a theme of Deuteronomy. The immediacy of our relationship with God. The immediacy of our relationship with God. The necessity of present obedience. And that, of course, implies relevancy. God's word is always relevant. It has value. It has worth. It has wisdom and guidance in all places, in all times, and in all situations, especially today. I didn't spend much time on this, but I did go to that NAS, the New American Standard Version. Of all the versions of the Bible, it's the most literal word-for-word translation out of Hebrew. And I looked up the word today. Genesis the book that spans this enormous amount of time, all the way from creation and Adam and Eve to to Noah, the Tower of Babel, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way through the life of Joseph. This long period of time, the word today is used only nine times. Nine. Exodus covers a shorter span of time, about the first 80 years of Moses' life, and the word today is used six times. Leviticus uses the word today two times. Numbers does not use the word at all. Then we come to Deuteronomy, the fifth and final book of the Pentateuch. And it's just a book of sermons that that Moses preaches to the people on the plains of Moab. Took him a lot less time to get through it than it's taken me. In the book of Deuteronomy, the word today is used 58 times. 5, 8, 58 times. That tells me that God must want his people in the present. Not looking back at what was, what God did or did not do, how we obeyed or did not obey. Not only looking toward the future, what God may or may not do in the future, or the obedience or disobedience that may be. No, we must deal with today. We must be in the moment right now. Live in the moment right now. Let's get back to verse 11. And this is what Moses commands in this right now moment. He says, it's not too difficult for you or beyond your reach, these things I'm commanding. It's not up in heaven, so you ask who will ascend into heaven. Get it, proclaim it to us. 
Nor is it beyond the sea, so that you have to ask who will cross the sea and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey. No, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so you may obey it. Now think about how this truth transforms this moment of our lives. It is not complicated. It's awesome in its simplicity. What God has revealed about himself in the book of Deuteronomy, this law that he has written about who he is, about how life works, about how we can live life in a way that brings glory to God and blessing for our lives and those around us, this truth that God has proclaimed is not difficult. It is not complicated. The Hebrew word, it's translated difficult or maybe hard in your version. It literally means wonderful, beautiful, different, separate from. And so when they decided to translate the Hebrew of the Old Testament into Greek, the Greek word they chose for this word difficult or hard was haughty or arrogant, meaning to, to disregard as not worthy of notice, to overlook. And so here's the idea. When I first met Kathy, that's my wife, she was so beautiful and so wonderful and so talented that what registered on my face was, wow. <laughs> I couldn't speak, wow, because my tongue was tied. But those who read my face whenever I was around Kathy, this was their immediate reaction. Eh, 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 eh. Do not approach, do not approach, do not approach. I'm telling the truth. And over and over they laughed. Ha, Craig, she's way out of your league. And in the 30 years, almost 30 years that we've been married, if I've heard it once, I've heard it a thousand times. Man, you sure married up. <laughs> and that's the truth. So what could have been? Because that's really the point. Because Kathy was so beautiful and so talented, she could have been haughty. And she could have disregarded me. She could have overlooked me. She could have said, you and me? <laughs> so what Moses is communicating here is what God could have done and what God did do. And so we can't make any mistake on this point. God is a God of all wonder and all glory. God is beautiful. The word that describes him is beautiful. God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. God is different from us. God is separate from us. But here's the good news. God does not let the, the wonder which is the literal translation here. He doesn't let the wonder of his beauty and his otherness keep us away. God is not unapproachable. And he assures his people here in his word that it is not difficult to get to him. 
It's just that we must approach God in God's ways, just as Moses did when Moses came to the burning bush. He was allowed to come, but God said, Moses, take your shoes off because you are on holy ground. Approach God. Yes, approach God in his way. The author of the New Testament book of Hebrews encourages us in chapter four. Therefore, since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, since we have Jesus, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Approach God, yes, but in his way, through Jesus. It isn't complicated, right? It is not complicated. God is approachable. Not only is God approachable, but God is accessible as well. Look again in verse 11. God said, it is not beyond, it is not beyond your reach. This would be torture for us, wouldn't it? If we could really have a glimpse of God and who he is, his being, his goodness, his wisdom, his power, his grace, his compassion, his love, if we could see those things but not be able to access them, what torture that would be. Do you remember Tantalus from Greek mythology? Remember Greek mythology? Do you remember what Tantalus, what his punishment was for his crime? He had to stand waist deep in water for all eternity. And hanging above his head was a branch full of beautiful fruit. So whenever Tantalus got thirsty and bent over to drink the water, it would recede. Whenever Tantalus got hungry and reached up to grab the fruit, the branch would go higher and be just out of his reach. And so Tantalus was tantalized, but he could never satisfy that for which he most longed. See, God is not like that. He doesn't tease us or tantalize us with something we can never hope to access. No, it's not far away. It's not remote. We don't have to ask who will ascend up into heaven to get it. What could seem further away and more utterly impossible to access for people 35 years ago than heaven? How will we ever access heaven? God says, nor is it beyond the sea. So that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it. For these people who had been wandering in the desert for 40 years, the desert, you know, get it? No water, no sea. What could seem more accessible, inaccessible to them than the sea? Where would they get a ship? Who would sail it? Besides, Gilgamesh had already tried that. Remember him. He was the hero of Mesopotamian religion. Did you read Gilgamesh when you were in school? He set out on a quest and his quest was to find eternal life. And so he had to take this perilous journey in order to find eternal life. And he, and he had to cross the far sea to look for a sage there who might give him the answer to his question. And so he arrives and he comes before the sage and here's the sage's answer to Gilgamesh. Life which you look for 
you will never find. For when the gods created man, they let death be his share and life withheld in their own hands. And so Gilgamesh returns from his journey across the sea completely discouraged, having lost all hope of finding eternal life. It's a story. But it was the religion of these people of this day. And so how different, how different is the one and only true and living God from the creations and the stories that come from the mind of man? He requires neither a trip to heaven or across the sea. God assures people, his people, in verse 14, the word is very near you. It's in your mouth, it's in your heart, so that you may obey it. See, it isn't complicated. God has made it simple. He did not require Moses to come up to heaven to get this law. No, God himself came down and he met Moses on Mount Sinai where he gave him the law. It isn't complicated because the minute we are able to say, well, it's complicated. That's the minute that we start making our excuses. Well, I would do it, Lord, but I got no way to get to heaven. I would do it, Lord, but I got no way to get across the sea. Whatever the excuse is, we will come up with one. And so God makes it utterly uncomplicated. He has made himself approachable. He has made himself accessible. The Lord has drawn near. Therefore, God allows no excuses. Amen. God allows no excuses. And the approachability and the accessibility of God and the nearness of his word in us, all of those things mean life for us. And that is the point. That is the goal. That's what God wants for his people. He wants life. We read about it in verse 6, two weeks ago. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your descendants so that you may love him with all your heart and with all your soul and live. Life is what God wants. Look down in verse 16. For I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will what? Live. God's goal for his people. It's life. And so he makes life accessible to his people. And so what does all this say about God? Whenever you're thinking wrong thoughts about God, and we all do it, depending on what's going on in our lives, we can think wrong thoughts about God. Or when you hear our culture lashing out against him, when you hear them ridiculing our story, as they so often do, when you hear them twist and pervert the truth so that the cross of Christ, this is their favorite one, becomes cosmic child abuse, right, for which God should be punished. When you think those thoughts, when you hear those stories, remember Deuteronomy chapter 30. God does what he does 
in order that we may have life. Life found only in him. And so he makes himself approachable and accessible. And what God did was he took on flesh and he came to dwell among us. Jesus was not a child when he went to the cross. He was a man, a grown man. And he chose, he decided, I will go to the cross. I will die for the sins of the world. In fact, scripture says that he could not be deterred from this decision, but that he set his face resolutely to go to Jerusalem because there he would die. And for those who came along in his life and says, no, no, you can't do this. To them, Jesus said, get behind me. You're in my way. Move. This is what I am determined to do. Because his goal for us is life. And to have life, we must be able to approach the Father. He must be accessible to us. We must be able to reach him because he is the source of life. And Jesus makes that possible. The reminders are all around us. Look at the banner. Emmanuel. What does it mean? God with us. Look at the picture. What does it remind us of? God took on flesh and came to earth. That picture reminds us that he has returned to heaven. And what's he doing there? He's praying. He's interceding for you and for me. So it isn't complicated, right? Awesome? Yes. Amazing? Yes. Unbelievable? Yes. Complicated? No. It's no wonder that the Apostle Paul latched on to Deuteronomy chapter 30 when he was writing his letter to the Romans. Would you turn there with me, please, in the New Testament to Romans chapter 10? If you're using a pew Bible, Bible, it's on page 802. Romans chapter 10. When you found chapter 10, look in verse 5. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law. That the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, this is what faith says. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down. Or who will descend into the abyss? That is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved, for the scripture says... Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. If you confess with your mouth, if you believe in your heart, you will be saved. It's not complicated, right? Now keep your place in Romans chapter 10. We're going to come back and go back to Deuteronomy chapter 30. 
verse 15. Moses says there in verse 15, see, I set before you, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. Then he repeats himself. The second part of verse 19, I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. You see, it isn't complicated. One or the other. And so now we come to the last part of verse 19. And here we have it. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. Choose life. Let's not complicate it. Today, right now, in this moment, and every day, the choice is before us, you and me. We must choose life. And life is found only in the Lord. So every day you can choose. Will you draw near to the one who has drawn near to you? Will you? Yes or no? It isn't complicated. Will you approach the one who has made himself approachable and have his life? Will you? Yes or no? It isn't complicated. Will you access the one who has made himself accessible to you? Will you draw near to the throne and receive the grace found there? Will you? Yes or no? It isn't complicated. So what's your choice? And it's complicated off the table, okay? Not an option. And let's not complicate it for others either. Verse 11, listen to what God, what Moses does not say. He does not say, now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for some of you or a few of you or a fraction of you. The you here is all inclusive. Everyone who's standing on the plains of Moab, man, woman, child, foreigner, all inclusive. God has made himself available. God has made himself approachable. God has made himself accessible to all of them. Now imagine you're one of those people right now on the plains of Moab. And since they're human, as you and I are human, they've probably ranked themselves or rated themselves. We learn to do that in kindergarten, don't we? And we never stop. We look around, where do I fit in this picture? Who's smarter than I am? Who's not as smart as I am? Who's as more talented than I am? Who's less talented than I am? Who's better looking than I am? Who is less good looking than I am? And once we make those determinations, we begin to form our little sets and subsets. We include and we exclude because usually we are all uncomfortable with the least common denominator, right? Because that means everybody. And we don't really want to be part of something where everybody is welcome. Let me quote 
from the, we're getting near the end, so hang on. I want to quote from a piece of classic literature, high literature, but bear with me. Now the star belly sneeches had bellies with stars. The plain-bellied sneeches had none upon Mars. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small, you might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star-bellied sneeches would brag. We're the best kind of sneech on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. Dr. Seuss. No matter how God's people, us included, have graded or ranked ourselves, no matter what subsets those groupings have resulted in, God reduces everything here on the plains of Moab to the least common denominator. It's not too difficult for you. All-inclusive. Now go back to Romans chapter 10. Verse 12. There is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all. Bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's not complicated. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So, let's not burden the one who says his yoke is easy and his burden is light. This book is one of my favorite visual aids. I love it. I've brought it out a time or two in the past. It's the thickest book I have in my library. Three and a half inches wide. 1,496 pages. This book is called The Puritan Exposition of Ephesians. (laughs) If you look in the Bible you have in your hand, you'll discover in normal size font, the book of Ephesians is about three and a half pages. 1,496 pages. Unapproachable, inaccessible. My heart loves it that something like this can be written because that's how much truth there is to find in the word of God if you dig deeply. So my heart rejoices in that. Of course it does. I'm Presbyterian. (laughs) And Presbyterians love learning, don't we? We just love knowledge. We love education. But sometimes that causes us to add to the beauty of the uncomplicated truth. And sometimes I feel like we are the rich man in the story that Jesus tells. The rich man dressed himself in purple 
And he set himself down to a banquet, a feast, every day of his life. And he ate, and he ate, and he ate. While at his gate, Lazarus was brought and laid at his gate to beg. And Jesus says that the dogs came and licked Lazarus's sores. So sometimes I feel like we're the rich man in Jesus' story, gorging ourselves, reading this from one cover to the other so that we have no time left, believing that this is what we must believe and what we must know to truly love the Lord. Occasionally, some crumbs will fall off of our lap when we get up and get out, if we get up and get out at all. But it ought not to be this way. And so I remind all of us this morning, God wants life for people. It isn't complicated. God says it's not too difficult or beyond your reach. So we must not make excuses. We must not be indecisive or try to get lost in ambiguity. We must choose life, life that is found from approaching God and accessing his abundance of grace through Christ. And we must remember this simple message that's to be in our hearts, but it's also to be in our mouths. We need to tell the simple gospel. God has not asked us to explain quantum physics. He's just asked us to tell the simple gospel. And so we speak it to all people and we trust the God who draws people unto himself with the results. It's not complicated. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you again for your truth, for all of it. But how our hearts are gladdened this morning, Lord, by this particular truth. It's not too difficult. Though you could have, you have not separated yourself from us. As wonderful and beautiful and different from us as you are, you have made yourself approachable and accessible. Thank you, Lord. And in our joy in discovering that we have access, that we can approach the one and only true and living God in our joy. Lord, we ask that you would cause us to go out and tell others this good news. Let me tell you how you can have access, how you may approach the one and only true and living God. Father, make it the joy of our hearts to tell others that story. Father, prevent us from overburdening the simplicity of your story. Remind us, Lord, whatever it is, whatever standards we put for ourselves and for others, they've got to be transferable, Lord, to every place throughout the world. To a hut with dirt floors among people who are not literate. Your good news, your simple truth belongs there. So, Father, thank you for drawing near. Thank you for putting your word in us. Put it in our mouths as well, Lord, as we speak that good news to others. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.